one thing starting a company. It's another starting a company with a partner or a wife. And it's the next level again uh, once you've got kids. Welcome to Startup West, the podcast about startups here in sunny Western Australia. We'll talk to startups, entrepreneurs and innovators who have been there and done it or are right here and doing it. My name is Danelle Cross. And my name is Chris Tan. And before we begin, we'd like to acknowledge that we are recording this podcast in the land of the Wajuk people of the Noongar Nation and pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. The Startup West podcast is brought to you by the Startup News. Thanks to support from sponsors Space Cubed, Curtin University, RSM, the City of Perth and TechOn. And on this episode, we talk with Dan Dawson, the founder of EdTech startup Paperly. Dan, welcome to Startup West. Can you tell us a bit more about your startup business, what it does? How's it going? Yeah, thanks, Chris um, and Danelle. It's, it's going well. Um, what it does, two-part question, so... I'll tell you about Paperly and what it does. Um, So Paperly streamlines all the school's administration, uh, manual workflows and processes. Uh, We'd like to call ourselves an admin management system. And the other thing that we've done is that, I guess, to answer the question, a bit of of background about schools and how they operate. Uh, So schools typically have a school management system. Um, They've got a learning management system. uh, And that kind of takes care of the day-to-day running of the school, the, the core database and things. Then there's a whole bunch of other platforms and ed tech products out there that from excursion management, uh, co-curricular, online forms, digitizing those processes and things where schools typically have gone out and had to source five, six, seven different platforms. Uh, I I saw the, the issue working in schools previously and so built out the single platform that, that does that across, um, across one platform. So multiple modules, et cetera. Fair enough. Um, and you, your answer was it's going well. well we just caught up for a bit of a uh, pre-brief and it's going really well at the moment, Dan. Do you want to just talk a little bit about your journey perhaps or Paperly's journey, I should say, over the last 12 months? Can I take it back to the last 10 years? You can take <laughs> it back on, to whenever you want. Um, so background about me, I'm software engineer by trade. Um, I understand now how useful that is, um, I guess, especially in the current climate and trying mm. to find a lead tech or, or developers. Um, so worked for a company that uh, implemented airport systems um, in Auckland and um, moved over, yeah, 10 years ago this year for my now wife uh, and and basically moved over and, and wanted to get into whatever role I could find. So I uh, was fortunate to get a role at Aquinas College um, as a database administrator. So learnt and worked with the database mm-hmm. systems that schools used, mm-hmm. uh, quickly recognised the the manual workflows and lack of automation and paper forms and things going around at the school. I built out a lot of that as an employee and um, kind of knew I, I hadn't had this idea but didn't know what it was or what it looked like or even how to necessarily start that that journey. Um, had a friend who ran a marketing company and he was outsourcing all his uh, mobile, uh, sorry, web development work and said, why don't I just give that to you? So I I quit my job at the school um, and did websites for small businesses, essentially. It was pretty hard going uh, in terms of it's it's not a recurring model. You've got to go out and find um, the work. And so that dried dried up 
Um, in terms of the work, 2017, another private high school was migrating from one school management system to another. I'd worked with that system at Aquinas um, and so came on and helped with that migration process. Again, noticed a lack of automation and things. Hmm. And so started paperly um, beginning of 2018. Did my day job, did my eight to four, uh, came home, fed the kids, put them to bed, uh, um, and then wrote code from seven till two in the morning for three years. Um, got it to a point where obviously working at the school, I'd, I'd network with the other um, mm. head of ITs, the other principals, business managers, et cetera. Mm. And I guess mid-2021 was at a point where I could, uh, I guess, take it to market, mm. if you want to say that. Um, and so got my first school signed up and then the next one and the next one. And then I heard about well, this company or the school called Idea Academy approached me and said that we'd heard about this product. Um, we're a new school that's opening, so we'd love to use it. So uh, they signed up to the platform. And when I was talking to Nicole and Beck, they said, hey, we've just been through this really great program called Plus 8. And they said, I think you do really well. Mm. So they said, there's boot camp coming up. We think you should apply. So I did. Um, not really knowing or expecting <laughs> um, anything. Went to boot camp um, and it was great. Got fired a whole lot of questions from a, from different people. Was selected through then into phase one. Um, again, and all, all through this journey, it was all learning. I wasn't necessarily wanting to come out on the other end with investment or, or seed mm. funding or any mm. that sort of stuff. I was still full-time at the school. Mm. And so went through phase one pitched and, and was fortunate to be selected into phase two, um, which was where the seed funding came. This is the back end of last year. Um, again, through the weekly mentoring sessions and things, um, Derek and Kylie running that program got to a point at the end of last year where pitched at West Tech Fest and thought that December was the perfect timing to, to quit my job and go all in. Um, again, there was probably enough runway and revenue to, to be able to do that, I guess, essentially to support, you know, my wife and three yeah, kids. Yeah, family, mm. absolutely. Yeah. Um, so. It's a huge decision. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things where I guess investors want to see a commitment, mm. but at the same time, like I, I wanted that oh, you to, were to go committed. full I mean, time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. But it's the responsibilities that come first in terms of mm. um, looking after the family and, and making sure that that fortnightly check paycheck mm, comes yeah. through. Mm. So yeah, I quit my job in December last year and, and said, you know, if this is, if this is going to be it, then I'm going to go full time with it. Um, again, it was, it was me up until uh, essentially July of this year. Um, I had a couple of developers um, helping me out as well. Um, but <laughs> to come back and answer your question, um, <laughs> how it's going, uh, raised, funding from Purpose Ventures in mm -hmm. July. Again, off the back of Derek and Kylie's mm. um, mentorship and the relationship that we'd built, um, they they saw or recognised the potential that Paperly has um, and, yeah, so invested in Paperly and that's essentially given us a runway to build out the team so it's no longer just me. Mm -hmm. So in terms of what that looks now, um, we've, we've got COO on board events, uh, CTO, we've got 
a team of um, people that look after finance, HR. Um, we've recently onboarded a junior developer locally in customer support. Um, senior software engineer starts in January. Um, new sales WA rep starts next week. And hopefully um, a sales rep in Victoria starts in, in January. So, And customers around Australia. Customers yeah. around Australia, so predominantly WA um, mm. Mm. base. We're, we're about about 40 schools um, signed up paying customers, recently signed first Queensland school, South, uh, New South Wales, and talking to a couple of schools in South Australia. So, so it's, it's been a year. It's going well. Yeah. We've got a couple of months <laughs> left as well. That's awesome. I think the word is gangbusters on yeah. uh, Paperly there. So um, that's so good. Well well done and congratulations to you yeah, for you. Uh, achieving these milestones. Um, I just wanted to be cheeky and just take back a bit when you are talking about the demo night last last year? Last year. Yeah, it's at least um, That feels ago. like a long time ago. But um, I remember you going out to um, demo night and uh, you come out on stage and I remember you carrying a massive stack of papers, <laughs> um, and and this and this and that story sort of leads into, I guess, one of the reasons why Paperly is so important. And you came on and, and told this story, uh, which maybe I'll get you to tell in a sec. But then, basically, at the end of it, you made this massive full stop by throwing <laughs> all of your paper onto the floor. Were you the from memory? Were you the last one? No, I wasn't. So you had to pick up all the papers <laughs> yeah. afterwards and then you go off. Yeah, to I was up, but, just to leave it there. For, but um, can, you, can you tell everyone, like, that story in regards to why you brought in, like, a stack of, like, I don't know, maybe three reams of paper <laughs> and to throw it on the floor, like, tell, tell, like, why. I wanted to emphasize the point of manual workflows and paper processes. And it's, I, I guess it's not across just schools. Mm. It's mm-hmm. across all organizations. Mm-hmm. We've had um, hospitals approach us to say, can you streamline our processes? We've had, um, you know, tennis clubs, swimming clubs come and say, can you, can you do the same? So yeah, I wanted to emphasize the point that it's, and, and everybody can relate to it. Yeah, mm. Everyone deals with paper in some form or another uh, and wanted to emphasize that point. Those, the stack of papers that I grabbed was actually from a school <laughs> that I went and asked, do you have any paper that you're currently using or need to throw out? And that's what they gave me. Yeah, so, okay. Um, so, and so that's what I used. Again, props to Pete Corelli who said, you know, have something that's going to leave oh, an course. impression. Dramatic. Of course it was Pete Corelli. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the story that, uh, that you were talking behind it was about uh, a school going to a zoo and a teacher leaving important yeah, documents right. and so, medical mm, documents behind. Mm. So that sort of leads into why... Yeah, automation. So, yeah, so I heard the story um, was shared with me that uh, a school schools run excursions, mm. um, so taking kids out to yeah the zoo or mm. um, SciTech wherever it may mm. be, and at the time teachers were using um, well they had to take student medical records, so you need mm. to know who's anaphylactic, who's got asthma, um, and it was all just paper based. And there was a story that was told to me where a teacher actually left it on a park bench and kind of forgot about it. Um, a member of the public came and picked up that folder and it was all medical records, mm. Medicare information, um, all just available to a complete stranger. Mm. Um, so that kind of emphasised the point around um, the excursion process in schools. But again, that's just one small aspect of, course, absolutely. Of, of what schools are doing and, and there's, I guess, other stories in terms of the other modules that we've built around mm. that. 
And overall, making our educators' life easier, yeah. right? Their workload yeah, easier, right. et cetera. So schools are notoriously difficult to sell into. Can you talk us a bit about how you've acquired your early customers and, and I think as well how you, you know, scaling that across Australia? Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out where to start <laughs> with um, answering this. Um, so, yes, schools are notoriously difficult to sell into um, because they're typically quite set in the systems that they're using, mm. the processes that they run. Um, where we've come in and how we're different and I guess our conversion rate is, and I suppose it started with me working in the school. I've seen firsthand yep. the, the, one, the systems they're using. The problem. And mm. the yeah. problem that they're facing. Absolutely. So it's a matter of, and I guess this is for all um, I guess founders out there, it's don't try and sell the product but solve the problem mm. that um, your customers have. Yeah. So now when I go into a, a demo, I'll mm-hmm. actually I went into a school recently um, and they reached out just cold and said, we'd heard a couple of other, other schools were using your platform. And so we wanted to see what it's all about. Can you come out and give us a demo? So I went out there and sat down and there's about 10 people around the room, um, head of departments and head of IT, et cetera. And they, and I set up the demo platform and it was on the screen. And I said, what would you like to see? We've got 14 modules. And he said, well, what do you mean? Like, give us, give us your demo. <laughs> and I said, no, because you will have a pain point right now that you need solved. Mm. Like there's yeah. something, some workflow, some mm. process that is just taking too much time that you need solved right now. Um, so I said, it might be your excursion management process. Do you have a process for mm. that? How mm. do you handle your, your calendars? Is that through Outlook? And then you're having to update in multiple places. Mm. Is it your co-curricular? How do parents and students sign up to that? Can you take attendance with that? What does reporting look like? I said, there'll be something that you need solved right now. Mm-hmm. And so they laughed. And, and so then they, they explained. Some they pulled of the out their very long list. They were having, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, and so I said, okay, well, we'll start with those modules first and then I can show you what else we do. Mm. So in terms of um, selling into schools, in our experience anyway, it's been, I have to be careful here, relatively um, mm. easy or mm. less friction points than I guess the norm. Um, and, and it's not just WA schools, right? So mm. yeah. it's schools across Australia and New mm-hmm. Zealand. They're, they're using sometimes the same school management system. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, we've, and if it's, if it's just one small aspect that we're solving a pain point for, then great. If it's just calendars, then that's fine. You can mm. just sign up to calendars. Mm. You don't have to get the full system. Mm. So leading on from that, I'm interested to know, uh, Dan, what, might be sort of like some of the goals or uh, milestones you, you're looking to achieve over the next three to five years with Paperly. Yeah, so three to five years, that's a long time, I feel. Um, it's been a long year. Yeah, yeah that's right. Um, three to five years, we'd like, I mean, our, our big our big goal, um, we call it a WIG, our wildly important goal yeah. is to hit 10,000 schools um, and that's globally, mm-hmm. so... Like I mentioned before, that schools, in our experience, mm-hmm. globally have got the same issues. Um, mm. Recently, met somebody from the UK, and he says, "We don't have this in the UK. When are you coming?" Yeah. Okay. Um, so it's again more of a strategy decision around. Mm. Schools obviously need it in the UK, but mm. you know you've got to think about support and what that looks like. They're literally opposite in terms of working hours. Mm-hmm. Um, if we want to go up there, we've got to do it properly and set up mm. the team and everything. Um, but yeah, the three to five year goal would be to go global um, and to have schools globally using Paperly to streamline the admin processes. Awesome. 
And in terms of international markets, where would you look at first? For right now, um, New Zealand is the easy yeah. end yeah. Uh, yeah. because it's essentially an extension yeah. of and your, Australia. Your and I'm a Kiwi and I, I probably shouldn't say that. <laughs> no, you should. <laughs> um, so, yeah, New Zealand would be the first yeah. one. The high school, the private school that I went to is using the same school management system that we've got heavy integrations with. Mm. Cool. Um, the next um, market, I mean, we're piggybacking off a um, a proposal or tender process, I guess, for um, a, a collection of schools in Asia. Oh, great. Um, yeah. That's currently in the works. And that works with the time zone as well. Yeah, like correct. Support. Um, but I guess the big the big next marketplace for us would be the UK. Mm. Yeah. Um, again, using similar systems, processes. Yeah. Uh, and then if not the US, then Asia and the international school market there. And funding, Dan. So obviously you've touched on um, the investment from Purpose Ventures and Paperly was Purpose Ventures' first announced investment with um, our fabulous new VC fund in, in Western mm. Australia, our only VC fund here. Um, can you tell us a bit about that process? Yeah. So again, the process going through plus eight last year, it was always, um, it was always talked about raising Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. but my, the issue that I had was we were already generating revenue and Mm. issue. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Problem. Um, (laughs) Good problem. And it was, the big question was, Again, and this was feedback that we got mm. on our ex- immersion trip mm. to Singapore was, mm. do you really do you need, need to it? raise? Yeah. And for me, what the defining factor was, I could have kept going at the rate we were going mm-hmm. and it would have just stayed me essentially. Mm. Um, and I wouldn't have known how to build out that team mm. to go at scale. So, I mean, again, hindsight or um, naivety, whatever you want to call it, I might have gotten there in the next five mm. to 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, so we took on funding and we can see that happening in the next three to five and more and, you know, help and decisions that I would, there's no way I would have been here mm. without raising. So what that process looked like, again, having worked with Derek and Kylie, they set up the fund, um, was very fortunate that there was, um, again, I don't know if I should be saying there's a lot of handholding, um, <laughs> but when they, when they say, or when people say that it's a raising is a full-time job, I suppose never having done it and never, I guess, historically known what that process looks like, there's mm. no way that I couldn't understand or anyone else could understand what, what that actually means. Like you can say it's a full-time mm. job, but mm. what does it actually mean? And um, in terms of the expectations of investors and that, that whole process, yeah, it was quite the learning journey. Um, but good in the sense that I know what's involved now. Mm. If And I've had other founders come and say, what was that process like? Yeah. Um, some mm-hmm. of the learnings that I got from it, yeah, it was good. Mm. All right. Um, going to move into maybe something that's uh, a bit more around uh, or generalized, but how now that you've come through to this side of where you currently are with Paperly, how do you – how would you describe the local startup scene here in WA? Obviously being, again, <laughs> immersed in the, in the, the Plus 8 programs, mm. the accelerator programs, Curtain Ignition, having met founders that have come through those sorts of programs, um, the Sprint programs. I, I would say that it's, again, 
my lack of experience. It's nothing that I've ever seen before. Yeah. Like there's a, literally hundreds of startups mm. that are coming yeah, yeah. through every year. And it's a vibe at the moment. Yeah, yeah it is. It mm. is. And some of them are very cool. They are. Um, and it's like, well, yeah, if, if that's that's what people are doing, then then awesome. Um, even you talk about Idea Academy and, and mm. kids mm-hmm. essentially yeah. mm. and Lucas with his yep. startup yep. And, and going great guns. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's in a really, really great spot. Mm. Anything we can do better at in our ecosystem? Any gaps you see to support founders? No, I mean, being a solo founder... Um, and I think this is raised quite often. Mm. I understand now how difficult it is. Um, probably didn't at the time. Like I, mm. I could manage everything and I was taking it all on myself. I didn't have to delegate or any of those mm. staffing, but there's no way that you can scale or even, or even paperly get to where we are now without having that team on your own. Yeah. yeah um, yeah. around me, um, in terms of what we can do better, I'd say the support for solo founders. I mean, that mm. the chord that strikes home mm-hmm. for me. Mm. I see other companies that have got co-founders and they can bounce ideas off each other and they can delegate work mm. and one can do one thing and focus on another. But I also, and I raised this with um, somebody recently, I'd love to start a founders with kids kind of program mm. because mm. it's one thing, and again, taking nothing away from founders in general, but again, in my experience, it's one thing starting a company. It's another starting a company with a partner or mm-hmm. a wife. And it's the next level again uh, once you've got kids. Because like I said, that responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've said often that if it was just me, even if it was just Olivia and myself, I would be living at home or at my in-laws and just living Smashing on too many out. noodles yeah. and just getting as far as I could. And yeah. there's no responsibilities. You can look mm. after yourself, but with the kids. And then a big thing was that the kids aren't going to be little for long. Um, and now they're seven, six and four. And I can already see that time is from when they were little mm. is going really quick. Um, you know, they're in school now. And so I feel like that support of founders mm. with kids would be something that I'd, I'd love to see, even if it's, Again, it's hard, right? So you can't do after hours because you need to go mm-hmm. home and feed the kids, put mm-hmm. them to bed. And then typically your weekends you want to keep free because it's family time and you know, your wife hasn't necessarily seen you during the week and you want to hang out with the kids and the family. So I don't know where that balance is, but that's something that I'd like to like to see. And a shout out to the Startup West podcast sponsors. The Startup West podcast is produced by Startup News and is made possible by the support from Space Cubed, Curtin University, RSM, the city of Perth and Techon. So, Dan, can we take a bit of a retrospective look back through your career from your starting in your school days? So, you were born in New Zealand. Yep, born in Auckland. Yep. Yep. And went to school there. Went to school in Auckland. Yep. Born mm-hmm. and born and bred. Mm-hmm. Um, Favorite subjects at school? Maths. <laughs> maths. Yeah. And do you think you showed sort of a leadership or entrepreneurial kind of spiritual qualities back in primary school and high school? No, not at all. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> although, and I suppose it's probably more when I started working, I knew I wanted to do something for myself or start a business or something that. So you I knew could, that at school? No, not at school. When you were working? When I was working. Yeah, so okay. If, if I go back, yes. Yeah, so through school, um, loved school, I was that kid that didn't have to study to get good grades. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I hated those guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it kind of didn't bode well in terms of high school and uni because I, 
I'd breezed through primary school and the earlier years of high school and I never had to study mm. essentially. Mm. So suddenly when you're you getting up to the- that muscle. Yeah. yeah, that's right, high school years. And then especially first year uni, I actually struggled because mm. mm-hmm. now it's stuff that you actually have to put the time and effort into mm. and sit down and study. Otherwise you are going to fail. Mm. Um, so I did struggle through that. Uh, but in terms of primary school and high school, yeah, loved school, always- Loved maths. Um, I was your, your typical calc, accounting, eco, stats type of student. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then if we take it through into uni, again, it was like when, when I was finishing up high school, I didn't know what I wanted to do at uni. Having parents from Malaysia, that was the thing to do. So you finish school, mm-hmm. you go to university, you get your degree, you go and get a good job, and then you climb up through the ranks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I didn't know what I wanted to do after high school. There was a couple of people from Auckland Uni that came through and gave talks on the different um, faculties. I enjoyed the talk that the engineering lady gave, and so I did engineering. Nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that often happens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually really enjoyed first-year engineering. So you do all the different disciplines, um, so civil, mechanical, electrical, software, um, mechatronics, and the discipline that I did – Oh, I got an A in was software engineering. So mm-hmm. I said, okay, well, I'll do that second year. And then hated it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely hated it. Didn't understand some of the concepts mm. and things they were teaching. Um, I actually was going to drop out at the end of semester one. Again, dad said, you need to stick at it. You've been accepted into engineering. You're only your first semester into software. So I did, I wanted to change to physio or osteo or um, Cairo. I was big into my sport and was playing sort of four or five times a week, all socially. But yeah, I wanted to get into that sort of scene. Um, Love my sport. One of my friends was the osteo for the um, New Zealand triathlon Olympic team. So he went off to the Olympics with them and then came back and was osteo for New Zealand breakers um, (laughs) basketball team. So that to me was like he'd made it. Yeah. That would be so cool getting around. <laughs> you were jelly. Working with the players, yeah. Um, and that's what I wanted to do. But, mm. again, Dad said to stick at it and and so I did. And no regrets? Now, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was your first job? Uh, first job out of uni was working at a company that did uh, implemented systems at airports. Okay. So all the screens that you see um, at an airport is what we did. Um, so called FIDs, so flight information display screens. We wrote the software for those screens. So delays when planes were arriving, landing, et cetera. Um, so worked in Hong Kong, worked in Brisbane Airport, uh, Wellington Airport, usually from 7 p.m. till 7 in the morning because that's when no one's at the airport and mm-hmm. you can go and do all the maintenance and all the screens. So when and why did you move over here to WA? When? uh, 2013. And why? Because I was two years into a long-distance relationship with Mm. Olivia. Yep. (laughs) Um, So, again, if I come back to my upbringing in childhood and, again, maybe, Chris, you can appreciate, I'm happy to say, having Asian parents and... Malaysian parents. Malaysian parents specifically. Mm. (laughs) I I went home and said to dad, I said, I've quit my job. He said, you mean you're going to quit your job? <laughs> and I said, no, I've quit. He says, why? I said, I'm moving to Australia. He said, when? I said, two weeks. Wow, you didn't give him much time to... Uh, no, <laughs> no way to that. deliver the news, dad. <laughs> but, but I can appreciate that's, that's, that's how that's how we'd have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So, and, and that's how it happened. And yeah, like I said, I'd lined up recruitment agents and said, mm-hmm. I'm good to go from day one. Yeah. Get, I'm happy to step into whatever um, role that you can get me. And it was Aquinas and here we are today. And the rest is history. Man, that's... Um, and that's family nice still back in yeah, New Zealand? Mum and dad's still in Dan? Auckland. Oh, yeah, they haven't yeah. followed it across yet? No, no, my brother's there. He's um, He's got a kid now as well and they... They live about 10 minutes from mum and dad, so that suits me fine too. Yeah, cool. At least someone's there to take <laughs> yeah, care of the right. right? Yeah. So learning your story and your journey up to where you are now, we know sort of why you moved into your startup business. Um, but what do you know now that you wish you would have known from the start? Oh, so much. <laughs> First thing that comes to mind. First thing that comes to mind is because is I'm, a, I guess, a techie at heart is the product. Um, I would have built it out differently. Those that understand tech, I built the original product using mm. Notepad++. So no software, code building software. Essentially, it was all the the bare bones of what I built out. Um, and then there's, what do I do differently? Um, I mean, if you, you go from product and, and building out a proper IDE and I didn't have any document repository. So when another school signed up, I would literally select the files that were needed mm. for that particular module, copy it and paste it into a separate folder. There was no repositories in terms of now you've got GitLab and GitHub that you can save all this code. Um, in terms of the business side of things, setting out the proper processes and procedures for um, tracking sales, hiring. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's so much that I guess I've learned just in the last six, 12 months mm. even that if you could go back and, and maybe this is why founders when they sell their first even second business they do so much better in their third fourth fifth um just because of the lessons learned in the previous ones so what advice would you give to other founders i mean you're obviously on a really steep trajectory at the moment what advice would you give to others that perhaps are a little bit earlier stage ask if Mm. you don't know Mm. um there are people who have already been there and done that Mm. and can see what you can't. Yeah. It's the old saying of, you know, you don't know what you don't know. But, and again, I hate all the cliches, but it is it is true. Um, ask somebody who's been there and done that and got to a point yep. where they're successful and how do they get there? But I think what I've asked is kind of like what you asked me is what, if you go back five years from mm-hmm. now, what would you do differently? Mm-hmm. What have you learned now that would sort of streamline that process to get you to where you are quicker? I think that's really important. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I want to just ask a question before we jump into the quick fire round. Um, for those who might be um, someone who was in your shoes, you know, 18 months ago, looking at um, where to sort of go with their startup idea or startup business and whatnot, um, your journey through uh, the Plus 8 Accelerator or, or, or what you know from um, other similar sort of programs like Tell us, like, how how did you find it? How did it go for you? Would you also recommend this for certain um, founders at certain stages or, yeah? I feel like, especially with this year's cohort, um, I feel like they're so much further ahead than where I was. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And seeing their business acumen, to me, I feel like, how are you already there (laughs) when I was so far behind at that same stage? So... Again, I wasn't necessarily looking for any of these accelerated mm. programs or anything. Um, it was essentially a client that that had been through that and said that you'd do really well in it. But I think for those that are actively reaching out and applying for these programs are already ahead of the game, mm. I yeah. feel like. And that's my personal 
feeling. And if not, it doesn't matter. Like apply for plus eight, go for the sprint program to, to begin with, apply for the accelerator. If you can even just attend boot camp, you will get so much out of those eight hours than you would otherwise. Mm. Because I think there's 12 different stations of people asking you questions about market and product market fit. And there's another one about sales. And there's another one about, you know, the accounting side of things and legal. And you're going to be asked questions that you haven't, maybe haven't necessarily thought about before um, that you can start thinking about. And if you have already, then great. And you'll get value out of the next phase of the program. Mm. And I think it's the community as well. You know, programs like Plus Eight have a, an amazing yep, supportive definitely. community around it. And, and for you, it was, you know, that going through that accelerator program was such a pivotal point mm. in your startup journey mm. um, and probably one of the first forays into the sort of startup community for you. You were yep. beavering away until mm. 2 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> every night and, you know, obviously you had your job and family, et cetera. So, you know, I think as well it's just really important to – think about that community that you can surround yourself with that can help you with those things that you don't yet yeah. know. Yeah, no, you're right because I formed a really um, tight bond with um, Pete and Jace mm-hmm. from the program. Yeah. Um, yep. I think, I think, spe- and the others, but I think specifically because so they important. were solo founders. Yep. And I remember thinking, well, you actually understand what I'm going yeah. through and yep. <laughs> you're going through the same <laughs> things and it's not easy, but you can actually relate to that. So important for founders. All right, speaking of important, should we move into the quick fire round? Yeah, I think so. Um, all right, let me shoot off the first round. Um, Dan, what's the single most important factor that makes a successful startup? Resilience. If you were to wave your magic wand over the local startup scene, what would you wish into being? You said quick fire, I know. <laughs> um, Thoughtful quick fire. <laughs> I want to I say more support. Not that they're not supported now. Mm. Um I don't know, support as in just more support. Yep, yep, absolutely. If, if that makes sense. Yes, yeah, it does, for sure. absolutely. Um, who do you most admire in the local tech scene? Uh, it can be a company or a person. I'm personal friends with the Chetty Boys mm-hmm. at Student Edge. Yep. Um, and I think what they've done over the last, I think, 15 years mm-hmm. now is really cool. A million student members across Australia um, and I guess can relate to there were four of them building it out of their parents' homes. So that's who I would say. Yeah, awesome. And a shout out to Jeremy and Craig Chetty from Student Edge, a fabulous um, ed tech startup here in WA. Uh, How can anyone here listening help you? Good question. (laughs) I think the big thing for us, and if I talk about paperly, would be the networking. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's not just networking into who you might know in schools, but in terms of growing our team, like I said, we've built that out or hiring now um, quite a few roles moving forward. It's been a journey trying to find not just good candidates, but just candidates Mm. to begin with. And I think specifically around the developers space is pretty hard going at the moment. But yeah, if you know somebody that's good, that's looking and interested and could um, add value, then absolutely happy to join reach the out. paperly team. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, reach out and we'll get you in touch with Dan. Um, Dan, last question. What do you do to get away from it all? How do you rest and relax? The answer should be and is spend time with family, <laughs> <laughs> wife, and kids first. If you talk about me time, I love um, my wife actually laughs. I We went for a holiday to Exmouth recently and I said I could totally come and. Re- relax and retire up here next year 
she said, you'd get bored. And I said, no, I probably wouldn't. <laughs> I quite enjoy just going out and paddle boarding and enjoying the sea and sand. And But in terms of what I do to relax, I love playing sport, mm. watching sport, but otherwise just downtime and away from work. And yeah, that predominantly is spending time with the kids and the family. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks so much, Dan. It's been terrific to chat to you um, and learn a little bit more about Paperly. You are on a huge trajectory at the moment and you have all the support of the WA startup ecosystem helping you um, yeah, scale across Australia. So thanks so much for the chat today. Thank you. Thanks yeah, very thanks, much. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for your time. Also, thanks to our sponsors. Startup West podcast is produced by Startup News and is made possible by the support from Space Tubed, Curtin University, the City of Perth, RSM and TechOn. And we recorded this podcast at Riff Podcast Studios in beautiful downtown Perth in Western Australia. And don't forget to subscribe to Startup West on your favourite pod platform so our latest episodes appear in your feed. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a review. We'd absolutely love to hear from you.